Welcome back to the Thunder Buddies Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Martin, and I am joined by a very special guest. He is the director of scouting at NBA Big Board. He is the NBA Draft Junkies founder and host of the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast, Raphael Barlow. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Doing all right. Excited for the draft. I mean, with the Thunder, there's all types of draft possibilities, but uh, just wanted to get your perspective on these prospects because you're going all over the globe uh, talking to these guys, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I haven't done as much traveling this year. I just had a, a baby who's 10 months old now, so I've been trying to stay close to home. I only did one, in, well, two international trips this year. On, on, on one hand, that sounds like a lot, but only one of them was really, really basketball-related. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've been watching these guys for years, especially, yeah. like, the international prospects. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter, you and your son going to scout some guys at some different workouts and stuff. I'm sure he's uh, been a big help with that. It's got to yeah, be a lot of fun. Right there. He, uh, <laughs> that's my assistant scout. For sure. Well, let's talk about some Thunder prospects. I just uh, wanted to give you around five guys who look to be in that range, whether it be 12 or, you know, there are some teams that are always wanting to trade down and the Thunder have a lot of assets. So the first guy I want to ask you about is uh, Case and Wallace out of Kentucky. Yeah, Kaysen is a guy that I've actually started filming Kaysen when he was like in fourth grade, maybe fourth or fifth grade. I can't sit here and say like, you know, I'm that good of a scout. I was projecting a long time ago <laughs> that he was going to be, a, you know, an NBA player. But it was just pure coincidence. I was just a struggling videographer looking to make some money. And the coach of his team wanted somebody to film their games because he thought the team was good. And Kaysen just so happened to to be on that team and and um going back at the footage, it's like Keontae George is in the footage. I think Derek Whitehead. I mean, you can just see all of these kids. I mean, I had to have somebody help identify them, but all of these guys that are in, in this year's draft class. So anyway, long that was kind of off subject a little bit. So um Kaysen is probably the most I, you can make a case and say he's one of, if not the most complete prospects, simply because if you go down a list of strengths and weaknesses or areas for improvement, he doesn't have any glaring weaknesses, right? It's whether it's like he needs to bulk up or he needs to like make you know huge strides as a shooter. I mean, he's just balanced all the way across the board. Not saying that he doesn't have things to work on, but as far as like real glaring weaknesses or areas of concern, I'd say him and Kobe Bufkin are two of the guys that 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 are pretty complete, which the downside of that is sometimes when you don't have those glaring weaknesses and you're not like a phenomenal athlete, people tend to think that you're closer to your ceiling and you don't have the same upside and potential. But Kaysen is rock solid. I think he's the best defender in this class, SARS wing defender in this class, and he can play on and off the ball. And I think in how it relates to the Thunder, he is a a piece that fits around the players that they already have. Yeah, I think he'd be a great piece to have off the bench as like a Dort insurance if they're ever looking to move him. Not saying they are, but Kaysen to me watching him, like you mentioned, is just stability and consistency with him. There's nothing that kind of like flashes off the page with a lot of the film that I've seen, but he just makes all the right plays. And, you know, I think the Thunder fans are familiar with a guy that went to Kentucky that was kind of drafted in this range that um, has shown a whole lot more in the NBA than he showed at Kentucky. And 
I mean, Kentucky has a track record of, of their guards outplaying their draft position. So maybe Kaysen could be like Tyrese Maxey or Tyler Hero or, you know, the, the guy that's the all-NBA player that is in Oklahoma City right now. So I, I think Kaysen for the Thunder would, would be a win. With all those guys from Kentucky, do you ever look back at like draft boards and just like almost artificially move these guys a little bit higher, just watching how many guys succeed later on that most draft evaluators kind of have a little bit lower? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've given Case in the Kentucky bump. But even if he didn't have the Kentucky bump, I still think he would be someone that I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes as high as six or seven. I think the way the draft kind of um, the way the lottery results went. It probably helps the Thunder's case because a lot of the teams in the in that range already have like their primary ball handlers or their or their point guards and they may not be looking to add another. While I think the Thunder are just in they're basically just collecting assets and the most talented guys. And whether or not you think that's to package them down the road for another player or whatever, but I mean, we all know eventually the Thunder are going to have to consolidate some of their picks and some of their players on their roster. Yeah, can't put together a roster of 30 guys, unfortunately, as much as Presti would like to do that and just have the G League as their farm system. But I really like Kaysen. Or you can just have them in the blue. You can just have a a dominant (laughs) G League team. It's going to be like one of those high school teams, yeah, that just has like all the five-star guys where they have so many guys they can't even roster all of them. But yeah, Kaysen I really like, and I think that he could have great synergy with a lot of those guys. He's a great defender, good decision maker. I think he played a lot of point guard, and he would play more off the ball with the Thunder, but I think he's sort of comfortable in either of those environments. Yeah, and I mean, but I think that Kentucky played their best ball with him at, at the point. I do think that is his best position. Now he can play off the ball. So, you know, I mean, the fit with the Thunder for him personally, as far as just like a huge role may not be be the best because the Thunder obviously set at, at the guard spot. But I think he would contribute to winning. And, you know, getting Kaysen and you know, Chet, you automatically improve your defense right away. And usually young guys aren't going to like improve your defense like that just because there's young and there's such a big learning curve. But I think, I mean, you can make a case and say you got the best or, you know, the best front court defender in the 2022 draft and the best back court defender in 23 if you end up, you know, getting case in to pair along with Chet Holmgren. That's definitely enticing. And I liked what you said earlier about prospects who seem more complete, that there's like almost this um, idea that there's less of a growth plate with him. What do you see with Case? And do you think there's a lot more growth in his game? Or do you think this is, you know, not that he's capped out now, but it's kind of like he's just going to be a better version of this, maybe? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I sat and talked with him a few a few weeks back. And, you know, I did like a, a video of him working out. And um, and he mentioned that, that he doesn't really pay attention to social media much. So he doesn't see all this that's been said, but he has heard people say that. And and he had mentioned that he can really score the ball. And right now people are talking about him more so as a defender and as being a guy that is, you know, that contributes to winning. But he said he is a, more capable of a scorer than people give him credit for. Next guy up is Leonard Miller of the G League. He will turn 20 in November. Late growth spurt, which I, which I really liked. And he's really risen up some draft boards for a lot of Thunder fans. 
Yeah, Leonard is someone that if you go back and look at the film from the NBA Combine last year, he was absolutely horrible. He was the worst player on the floor by far. And he showed some flashes in the second day where he would like get a rebound and jewel up the court and, and hit the man in stride or whatever. And so I was like, okay, I, I guess I can kind of see it at his size at 6'11 with the passing instincts and he can handle. But I saw him more so as like this, this weapon of, of like a point forward type. But he had a totally different role this year with the G League. He was more so as like a dunker spot big finisher. And he had a really good year. I, I think off the top of my head, the number was like 17 and 10 for the season. But, you know, the G League numbers are kind of fishy because sometimes they're regular season numbers. Then there's sometimes they take away the showcase can be separate. But I think overall is about 17 and 10. But how he finished the season it's really promising. Like his last, in the last month of March, I know the numbers were crazy. I, I want to say he was averaging, oh man, I, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I know he shot 64% from the floor, 58% from three, and 90% from the foul line for the month, month of March. And I want to say it was like 22 points and... 22 points, 13 rebounds, two assists, a steal, 1.7 blocks, 64, 58, 90 shooting splits in March. Just ridiculous stuff. Yeah, 17 and 10, double-double in the G League against grown men at like 19 is just ridiculous. And we're not seeing like a ton of the G League. It is early with the Ignite, so we haven't seen a ton of guys do that. But I was really impressed. What do you think about him and his growth spurt? Because to me, well, he went from 6'4 to 6'10 in 18 months. And I can really see like him growing into his body and like learning some big man skills. Do you think that's something kind of like underrated about him that there's still like he has these guard skills, but he kind of new to all these other things? Yeah, I think that a smart team is going to be able to maximize how he played with the Ignite on top of the the point guard skills and passing instincts that he that he showed. Um, prior to to playing professionally so I, I think that he is I think he's a better shooter than that people give him credit for the numbers don't look great the form is not like the prettiest but he's a good foul shooter and usually if, if you're the the type that believes free throw percentage is a good indicator of touch then you have to be um, encouraged that he could end up developing to a really good floor spacer. Yeah, and he has nice touch with his offhand too. Uh, the Thunder obviously have Chip England. Do you think that his form is going to be something that needs to be completely overhauled, or is it more just tweaks? I'm really not a big fan of totally changing a guy's form because, man, you got to wonder like how long does it take for him to be completely comfortable? Yeah, like you, if you work on it nonstop all summer. Is he going to revert back to it during the season? So I would try to just, I mean, just build it with repetition. And, and I mean, he's, he's still young. He's still 19. And he probably has worked on shooting in, like, the off season, But, like, during the season, I imagine he probably wasn't doing a lot of shooting because they didn't necessarily need him to space the floor. But I'm high on Miller. And um, I just want to add something that's not related to a shooting. I was at a game against the Texas Legends where he had 20 points and 20 rebounds. And 
I've seen him up close in, in person a couple of times, but he's a massive dude. He's 6'11". He's well-built. He moves well. And again, if the passing and the shooting, <laughs> like if he puts those together, then you're talking about a really special player and, and versatile weapon. And he plays with so much effort. That's one thing I love about him. It's on both ends. He's not really taking possessions off. And then you mentioned him being like a point forward. He takes the ball off the basket on the defensive rebounding end. And it looks like those kids who are the bigs who never get to handle the ball and just sprint up immediately, like obviously yeah. can handle it. But he looks so excited to have it out on the open break. That's something I really like. But last thing on him, how would you compare him and his like pre-draft stock to, compared to a guy like Usman Jang last year, who's sort of in that similar range as a project. Well, I wanted to add something about, like you mentioned about his hustle and effort. Yeah. And there's a play that stands out to me that is like the epitome of Leonard Miller just being a, a hustle effort guy that does not care about being embarrassed. And I'm sure people will remember in the showcase with the, you know, the Ignite versus Wimbayama game. Victor just dunked through him. I was there at the game. It was like an embarrassing dunk. And while, you know, most people are like, oh, my gosh, he got dunked. How embarrassing. The first thing that came to my mind is he went up to block a seven foot five guy shot. Like most people are just like, you know, you're I mean, there are people that don't want to get dunked on anyway. So they don't even make the effort to block a shot. And then there's some people that just aren't going to try to block a guy that's seven feet five with like an eight foot wingspan. I remember he tried to block the dunk, got dunked on. If I remember correctly, he fell to the ground. It was like an and one or whatever. But the next play he went, I think he tried to block a dunk again a few plays later. So to me, that type of effort and, and not like being embarrassed and just kind of giving your max and playing hard. I think that's a skill set you can't teach. And even when you look at like his rebounding numbers, a lot of them were like second chance effort rebounds and putbacks. And so, again, can't teach effort, hustle and, and motor. And at the minimum, very minimal, even if the passing and the shooting, you know, don't uh, if he doesn't maximize those, I think just his effort and rebounding can contribute to winning. Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned that getting dunked on like I remember Chet getting dunked on in like one of the first summer league games. I was like, I like that. I like that guys go up for these because the reality is whether you're Russell Westbrook going to dunk on guys or Rudy Gobert under the rim. If you're doing that long enough, you're going to get got by somebody. Someone is going to get you whether you get swatted or you're going to get put on a poster. And I enjoy that rather than the guys who make the quote unquote business decision and get out of the way. Yeah. Or the guys that jump up and then once they see they'd rather get dunked on they put their hands down and try to get back down but yeah i mean i love guys like you said that will make an effort and that aren't afraid to get to get dunked on uh, but to answer your question about jang um if i'm not mistaken jang was kind of like hidden a little bit i don't think he's worked out for as many teams as leonard and i i mean i've just kind of been hearing through the grapevine like all the teams that he's working out for. I think Leonard is is I don't um I don't want to be wrong, but I, I would say that I think some people felt like Jang was a Thunder guy anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think some people felt like he had a soft promise. I can't confirm it. That's just what but I think with Leonard, I know he's working out for 
a, a bunch of teams. And I think he's, he's, um, yeah, I don't think he has any, any soft promises there. Yeah. I think there was a story that Sam even put out that he was watching ooze even as like a 16, 15 year old. So he's had his eyes on him for a while. So that wouldn't surprise me as a promise, but both those guys are very interesting. On to the next, uh, different here, certified shooter, Jordan Harkins, 6'5", 185, 6'10", wingspan. Uh, he just turned 21 last month out of UConn. He's a bigger version of a guy that you already have on the roster, and Isaiah Joe. And I, I liked Isaiah Joe. I live in Dallas, and um, I'm sure Mavs fans absolutely can't stand Isaiah Joe because when you look at the Mavs season, there's a couple of games that they should have won that if they would have won, it probably wouldn't have been in the position where they're in. And I remember one of them was Isaiah Joe's breakout games. Like he came off the bench and he just did not miss. And I want to say like the Mavs were up and the Thunder came back and, and it was because Isaiah Joe had like 13 in like the fourth quarter overtime, something like that. But Isaiah Joe is to me a, or I'm sorry, Jordan Hawkins is like a bigger version of I Isaiah Joe. Actually, you know, they might be the same. It might be an inch or two off, but I mean, as far as like being able to shoot and especially shoot off movement, I think that's what makes Jordan Hawkins such a, a special prospect is he's not just your catch and shoot standstill shooter. He can come off screens and that type of gravity just opens the floor up for a guy like Gilgis Alexander. That's something that really impressed me with Joe this season is that he was more than just a shooter. He could get into that one dribble pull up. He had the step back later in the year. He could facilitate a little bit if needed. And then most of all, he competed on defense. Do you see a lot of those similar traits with Hawkins? Yeah. And what a pickup Isaiah Joe was. <laughs> what? I mean, I think Philly could have used them. But yeah, I think uh, Jordan Hawkins is bigger. Isaiah Joe's listed at 6'3. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think. Hawkins, I mean, obviously, you know, the winning helps, you know, a guy that comes from winning a national championship and you you understand you figure he understands how what it takes to win. And I think he's just a, a good complimentary piece that complements the guys that you already have. Yeah, I like him as a movement shooter, too, because, I mean, Isaiah would move off the ball. But having a guy like Hawkins, who's just like a marathon runner is going to be really interesting, especially with the gravity, like you mentioned, of Shea. And then you have Josh who can make any pass in the book. I think that that's yeah. a very interesting fit. And there's uh, nothing wrong with having two of those guys. I think you can never have enough shooting out there. Yeah, especially if Chet is out there also. Well, well, Hawkins, he's a guy that he's a really good athlete, may not have a lot of offensive creativity off the bounce. But if Chet is out there and the floor is spread, I think Hawkins is good enough to where he can attack a closeout and you know, finish at the rim on straight line drives, which is not something we saw a lot of at UConn because they just didn't have the same type of floor space. Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of Thunder fans still are ready for a Chet is going to change a lot of things about this team. But next up, we got another shooter, and that is Keontae George, a uh, scorer out of Baylor. What do you think about Keontae? Another guy that I've known or been watching him for years. He was in some of the, the film that I that I uh, filmed with Kaysen Wallace. And an interesting fact here, Kaysen and Keontae, I think their birthdays are like a day or two apart. So they've grown up together. And um, Kaysen's mom told me that they've spent their birthdays together every year until their senior year of high school when Keontae went to IMG. So it's interesting that these two guys that have been 
friends for years, playing against each other, super tight are two guys that are potentially in the Thunder's draft range. But I like Keontae. Um, I think he's, I think that his draft stock is back up. Like I felt like it kind of, he kind of fell out the lottery range in a lot of eyes. And I had a chance to interview him and talk to him about it. And he mentioned that he, the ankle injury was a big setback for him. He had too much tape on his foot. He lost his, his pop and explosion and so on. And when I was at his pro day in Chicago, he looked like the Keontae back when he was in high school. He's slimmer. And I think that he's someone that will be right back up in the lottery conversation after he, um, you know, goes through these workout tours, but he is, he's actually probably one of the better fits for the thunder because the question or concern about him is, is he a one? Is he a two? People see him as a combo, but if he's there with the thunder and you have Josh Giddy, then it kind of gives him the freedom to do what he does best, which is score. And then he's more so of a secondary playmaker. And then just kind of based off of their roster today as a microwave score off the bench that can, you know, he could play alongside Gilgis Alexander and Giddy. So I, I like that pick for the Thunder there. How similar do you think he is a guy uh, to a guy like Trey Mann, who's already on the roster? I mean, Trey has his own um, positives, negatives, issues, but I feel like a lot of Thunder fans have seen Keontae in this range and have thought, do we sort of already have that guy on the roster? I mean, I think no matter what with the Thunder, there's going to be some redundancy there. Yeah. No matter what, they have so many talented young guys. And it's honestly, it's a weird situation where you can be in a lottery pick. And if there's like an open and fair training camp, you could end up out of the top eight man rotation because there's so many good young players there. So it is a little tricky, <laughs> you know, to. To, to pencil in how guys would, would work with the Thunder because, like I said, you know, Keontae or Kaysen, whoever, may not be better than Trey Mann or, or or Dort or whoever. I do think there are some similarities. Trey Mann is, like, really, really good at creating space for himself. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I never thought of it from, from that perspective. And, uh, yeah, coming from that perspective, again, like I said, in a fair training camp where there's just open competition i really don't know who wins that that battle it should be interesting because it feels like we see a lot of these sorts of guys with that skill set coming into the league so it reminds me of sort of like the centers where it's like it's just not as fruitful to draft some of the big centers early in the draft unless it's victor chet mobley or a guy like that so i wonder just will the market sway it in a way where wings are going to be more valuable where it's you know maybe a guy like Keontae is falling more so not because of a skill set but just because of the amount of guys like you're seeing Jordan Poole on the trade market Tyler Hero the Heat are making a big run without him and do you do you see anything similar like that um yeah I mean because I guess if you look at Orlando they got a bunch of guys that that are kind of in that combo guard range and they have too many and you figure they're going to have to consolidate but I think teams value shooting and and teams are really just into collecting as much talent as possible. So I, I do think that um, it can have an impact, but I still see him going. I don't see him falling too far, I should say. For sure. And then I got two more guys here. These are more of the trade up targets. If the Thunder wanted to get up a little bit higher, Taylor Hendricks, 6'9", 210, 19 
out of UCF. He's been a guy that a lot of Thunder fans are very excited about and would like to pair with Chet. What do you see in Hendricks? That would be a pretty interesting combination. I mean, you get two shot blockers and floor spacers. I mean, that would, that would be pretty interesting. I mean, on one hand, you can say they have some similarities. I mean, Chet is, is, is longer. But I think they could complement each other. I think that Hendricks is a better passer than he's given credit for. Chet is also a good passer. Yeah, I, I could I could see that working. I mean, I, I'm just thinking of the possibility of, you know, Shea, or is it Shea or Shea? Shea. And like, that's what I thought. Why did I see something recently where they said it's Shy? Shea likes to mess with people. I've seen him like go out there and it's like, it's Shy. But every single time we talk to him, he's like, oh, same old Shay. I, I think he just likes to mess oh. with people, but people can't even get, I mean, I've heard all types of names. I've heard Shy Alexander Gilchrist. I've heard everything on <laughs> broadcast. So no worries if you get it wrong with him. Okay, because I, I, I always thought Shay, and then I, I did see something where he said Shy, and then I saw like a whole report of we've been saying it wrong this whole time, but it makes sense that if he if he's messing with people. But yeah, I mean, if you have Chet and Taylor on the floor, and I'm just thinking of the driving lanes and how many uncontested layups SGA would get. I mean, he's already difficult enough for defenders you know to to defend one-on-one but just imagine if there's just you got to pick your poison do i double off chet or do i double off hendrix and and if they're both knocking down threes that just makes the thunder's offense really difficult to stop and then the laughable just size on defense where you have uh shea six six j-dub six six giddy six nine hendrix six nine and Chet at seven foot with all these just arms everywhere. And I think it's interesting because we're seeing a lot of these teams like the Thunder where they can stagger their guards where it's like we're going to have one or two of Dub, Shea, and Giddy on the floor at all times. But if you can stagger it where you always have a uh, nearly seven footer or a seven footer in Chet's case who can block shots and stretch the floor staggered on the floor at all times and you close out with both those guys, I think that would be very interesting to see. And even offensively, who yeah. do you... Like everybody on the floor is a threat to score. I mean, even when you look at some of these championship teams, they don't have five scoring threats on the floor. They may have four and they may have like, you know, a dunker spot big or or somebody like that. But having five that you can't double and that can be a positive on the defensive end. I mean, how good would that be? For, it, for it's, it's so interesting. And we see all these two big lineups in the NBA now, like Horford and Time Lord have kind of been like the premium version of that. But Mobley and Allen, Robinson, Randall, Jokic and Gordon, Giannis, Brooke Lopez, Looney and Draymond, Steven Adams and Triple J. It feels like a lot of these teams are going that way. So you can't just space out their one floor protect, no, rim protector. Yep. Yep. That's well, true. Uh, do Maybe post game will come back. That, that's what I'm hoping for. The post play will make a return to the NBA. Maybe. Well, do you see him as a guy who the Thunder would have to trade up for? Or is there any feeling that he could fall sort of around that range of 12? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't see him falling to 12. I thought he was probably one of the biggest uh, winners the way the lottery panned out. I think at number six, the Pacers need some help at the forward spot so they could choose between him and Jairus Walker. And I think it would be hard for Dallas to pass on on Hendricks at number 10 if they they keep the pick but I mean there's a possibility 
I've talked to a lot of people and they feel like one through five is, is pretty much set with Wimbayama, Scoot, Brandon Miller, um, Amon Thompson, I guess six, Amon Thompson and uh, Cam Whitmore, and then um, maybe Asura Thompson. But then after that, they're like seven through 12 can be pretty fluid. I'll take the assist off that and we'll go to Jairus Walker, which is the last guy we're going to talk about, who's gotten a lot of hype recently and just feels like positionally would just fit like a glove on the Thunder. Yeah, I mean, he'd be the bruiser that that, you know, people feel like the Thunder lag. I mean, I guess you got Jalen Williams, Jalen yeah. Williams from Arkansas that that does that role. But I mean, I, I think that would even be interesting because. Jairus Walker is a really good passer. And I know you didn't get to see a whole lot of the, the passing and court vision at Houston, but if you have the opportunity to watch like his highlights in high school from IMG, he was a really, really good passer. And I mean, he played on the team with Jet Howard and Keontae George, and he was their best playmaker. And he settled into this role at, at Houston as like this rugged defender, rebounder, finisher. and I think he probably sacrificed maybe more than anybody else in his draft. Number one, you look at him, and I'm kind of going on a tangent here. Houston is not a school that has a lot of one and dones. Yeah. So he chose to go there knowing that. And then going to Houston means he chose to be coached hard. So you have to like that as far as from a team building perspective. This is not a guy that is a a diva or anything like that. He chose to go to a school that is not known for producing one and dones. He's going to be coached hard and he knew that he was going to sacrifice. So I think that already helps your, your culture in a sense right there by drafting him. I'm so glad but you then, mentioned. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, you go ahead. I was going to say, I'm so glad you mentioned that because it reminded me of Chet as like a five-star guy who just fit into a system. And like, obviously like you remember during summer league, they're like, what is Mark Few doing? Why didn't he let him do all these things? And it's like, I thought it was really interesting to see a guy with all that hype, just like Jairus to come into a team that was like competing for a national championship and just go, what do you guys need me to do? Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's important because in reality, that's the role that he's going to have to play if he ends up going to a team like the Thunder or even maybe a team like Orlando or so on. So you have to like that as a decision maker again, from a team building perspective. But in, in the flip side of that was he sacrificed what I thought was his greatest asset offensively was his passing and vision and, and playmaking. We didn't get a chance to see a lot of that. So if you put that in the mix with the Thunder, I mean, you have, let, let's say they, they select him. At any given time, you can have Giddy, Jalen Williams from Arkansas and, and Walker and, and Chet or just any mix of those guys on the court. And you have plus passers for their position. You have a, a you know, a an advantage. And the the more passers you have, especially when you have passers and scores, the more the ball moves. And it just makes your offense hard to yeah. and then I think Walker would provide some beef, you know, to go alongside Chet, which I think um, is going to be important if Chet is going to be a big part of the team's defense is having that physical defender on the front line that may be able to like bang or attempt to bang with a guy like Jokic and allow Chet to play free safety and be the weak side shot blocker. So I, I wouldn't be opposed to Adam Walker either. Exactly. I'd, I'd want to use him, just funnel those guys to Chet, just like 
obviously no one's stopping Jokic one-on-one, but if you can just give him one side or anything like that, at least you're going to have a little bit of a better chance. And then the last thing on Jarris, interesting uh, because of another guy who was super athletic coming out of uh, the draft last year. Who do you think moves their feet better defensively between him and Duran? Oh, man, that's a good question. I might go with Duran. I may, I might go with Duran. I think that Duran is more athletically, mm-hmm. and he may rely more so off of his athleticism, while I think that Walker is more – his technique is better as far as cutting off angles. I think he's more advanced as just the defender while Duran is like more gifted athletically. And then the last question I have for you here, what are your expectations for Chet in his first year playing NBA basketball? We've talked about him a lot and kind of passing is like this boogeyman on this podcast of like what Chet can add to these guys. But what are you expecting for him in his first NBA season? That, that, that's a really good question. I mean, I think, I mean, are you looking for like numbers or just role, how he fits or a little bit? Of yeah, both? just whatever. Um, your expectations are more role. I think numbers are just sort of hard with this team, but at the bare minimum, if you call it success, what would you want to see from him? Yeah. I mean, if you can get and I mean, and these numbers aren't going to stand out on paper, but if you get like 11.7 rebounds, 35% from three and, you know, good defense or just the guy that you know with 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 his length he alters shots or just becomes someone that that um makes it difficult for guys to score in the paint i mean to me that's that's a win i I think that i mean he is i mean at the end of the day he's still going to be a rookie i mean he does have somewhat of an advantage of you know the traveling and and you know just kind of seeing it up close but the Thunder are so talented, they don't need him to be, like, super productive on paper. If he can fit, which I think he can, open the floor, be a pick-and-pop threat, um, find cutters, block shots, I mean, I think he could be first-team all-rookie. Yeah, he doesn't have to be Superman. He mentioned that uh, talking to the New York Times. He goes, I just have to make us two points better. Like, we're losing a lot of close games. That's all I have to do. And Thunder fans are excited because if you just said – what does this team need? You go, well, I mean, if we're being crazy, a seven footer who can block shots, who can pass a little bit, handle the ball and shoot the three. And it's like, he's already on the roster. You just got to go see him. I mean, there's no um, expectation that he's going to be just incredible out of the gates, but I think that there's going to be a lot of bright spots for him. But thank you so much for coming on with me today. I know you are super busy. You're doing more pods and workouts and some of these draft prospects right now, but uh, what else do you have going on that you can plug before we get out of here? Yeah, I'm on NBA Big Board, which is my newsletter. Uh, I probably do at least three articles a week. And then I have five podcasts on Locked on NBA. So it's Locked on NBA Big Board. And if you like draft stuff, I mean, you'll get at least seven to eight different forms of draft content for me every week. Sometimes it's interviews. For example, on Friday, I posted a one-on-one interview that I did with Keontae George. Um, even on like the Locked On Big Boy YouTube channel, I did a one-on-one interview with uh, Casey Wallace. Gigi Jackson is another name that people are, are thinking that the Thunder could have an interest in, and uh, which I had mentioned on another Thunder podcast that I know that um, Chris Paul mm-hmm. has been pushing Gigi to Sam Presti. I saw it with my own eyes because Chris was at Gigi's Pro Day, 
and I saw them talking. I kind of heard a little bit of the conversation there. Um, and, and, and I have an interview with him. So I'm doing things from interviews to like draft trade rumors and, and breakdowns. It's just a lot of draft content. Well, it sounds like I've got some homework to do with a lot of those interviews. I need to listen to those. But thank you so much for coming on with me and making time. And thank you all for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. Make sure to rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back again on Friday for some more Thunder coverage. And thank you so much for listening.